Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 473, being recorded on the 19th of September, 2023, with special guest Vishwas Lele. I'm Sajid, and on teams with me, we have Kendall, and of course, our special guest, Vishwas, who we've had before on the show, and he just reminded me it was four years ago, and we're ha- very happy to have him back to talk about all the latest things that he's been on. Uh, but before we get to Vishwas, let's just cover some of the news. And uh, Kendall, I know you have one that you'd be very excited to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily Azure specific, but it impacts Azure users because if you're running on Kubernetes or you're using container apps, uh, you probably come into contact with the distributed application runtime at some point or Dapper. Um, It's an open source project. Microsoft's been heavily invested in it since really like 2019, 2020. And ultimately, it's been a CNCF project. It went from incubating. It's it's gone through the different stages and they just put out a proposal for graduation, which is Really, really exciting because it just talks to the, uh, like, I guess, fortitude of the project, the way that it's grown and continued to persist over time. And so you'll just see a lot of uh, of stability like that, that kind of, you know, once something go- goes to graduating from a CNCF perspective, it's really reached a level of maturity that I feel like a lot of organizations, you know, desire for, uh, especially in the open source ecosystem, when you want to you want to know that the project is uh, in it for the long run. So anyway, that's pretty exciting and something that hopefully will have a positive impact on Dapper usage on things like AKS and container apps and uh, and ultimately other cloud providers and other you know other places. Uh, so yeah. And CNCF, I mean Kubernetes is also obviously the main uh, uh, character there, right? In CNCF, yeah. uh, so so those are the kind of uh, uh, pieces of software that are part of the CNCF. Obviously, we all come to love uh, Kubernetes by now, and uh, happy to see that love being shared for uh, Dapper as well. For sure, definitely. Uh, okay, so uh, I got a few uh, updates that I'll try and cover real quick over here. Uh, one is uh, the uh, JavaScript. Uh, SDK for Cosmos DB version four. There's a few nice updates here. Uh, One is uh, client-side diagnostics is really convenient to set up and configure now. There's a whole bunch of features there. Uh, Hierarchical partitioning can be set up through the SDK, but my favorite is the change feed uh, updates that have come out. It used to be that you had to set up a webhook and you'd get the Cosmos DB chain feed. So Cosmos DB chain feed is just as changes are being made to your Cosmos DB collection, they get pushed uh, down to you. And sometimes they come at Come, come at you fast and furious, maybe faster than you can ex- accept. Uh, so now there's a new pull model that's available as part of the uh, JavaScript SDK. So you can kind of go back and pull those updates uh, at your own pace. I think that's uh, that's that's an important feature for app developers. Another one is uh, also related to Cosmos DB, and this is uh, you know move using customer managed keys, which is obviously a hot topic. I'm sure uh, Vishwas has seen this many a times with his customers. You know they all want to use their own encryption keys. It used to be that if you had 
the system manage keys in Cosmos DB and you wanted to switch to uh, customer manage, you'd have to create a whole brand new account and do a you know messy migration. Now you can do kind of in place update. You can just say you know I need to change my keys to my own keys. Uh, so so that's uh, that's a new feature that's available. Uh, then uh, Azure App Service, uh, if you use App Service, which a lot of us do or with the Linux um, uh, OS, and you want to be able to mount uh, a file system, right? It's quite common in, in Linux where you mount a file system with the blob storage, for example, to get access to some of your files. It used to be that setting up that in the the um, the credentials for that, you know, you'd have to put it in the environment variables. It's not as secure as you'd really like. Now you can kind of configure a key vault to get them. So that's, uh, you know, the best way to do it, right? So that's a new update. And then uh, Azure load testing, uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, the JMeter load testing feature, which has really become very popular. But if you have, you've got a you've got a load testing uh, set up, uh, you want to be able to do that regularly as part of your CI/CD pipeline. And now with a single push button, it can push your entire you can push that to your CI/CD of your choice, right? Uh, it would be Azure DevOps or GitHub Actions. It, it can it can configure that automatically from inside the portal itself, so that you can very easily make that entire JMeter setup now part of your regular CI/CD rhythm. Every time you push an update, it'll test everything for you. And then finally, uh, for the web application uh, firewall, which is part of the application gateway, uh, you know, it logs. It typically logs a lot of the input and output coming in for for diagnostic purposes. But sometimes they make that might con uh, contain some sensitive information which you don't want to uh, share. And so now uh, you can kind of put these uh, rules, which will kind of you know put the the hash marks uh, will, will kind of scrub all that uh, those sensitive uh, items so that the logs don't contain that. So these are, I think, all great that's updates. Awesome. Uh, I was just gonna say that's one that surprises me. Like I would have just assumed that that's something that would have already been there. So I think that's definitely a really good uh, feature yeah. when something just like clearly is like, yeah, there's definitely a need for that. <laughs> when you, like hit the sweet spot with a new feature or something. Uh, so that's a good one. Indeed, yeah. All right. Well, so th those are all the updates uh, for this week. Uh, let's uh, turn the mic over to our special guest, Vishwas. Vishwas, again, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it has been a while since we've had you on and uh, happy to have you back. Uh, let's just uh, remind our listeners, uh, you know, about uh, your, your background, uh, you know, the company that you work for and, uh, and kind of what your uh, passion is in the Azure space. Yep. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And um Thank you, Kendall and, and Sajid both to, to have me back. Uh, I've been an avid listener of the podcast and I was fortunate enough to be on the podcast a few years ago. Uh, of late, uh, Sajid, you and I worked together for a period of time uh, and I've been working on, consider myself an Azure developer, Azure architect. I've been working on Azure for the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, my, my day job is I'm CTO for a company called Applied Information Sciences. Uh, where we uh, focus on 100% Microsoft things. So we, we do all the things from uh, setting up your cloud infrastructure to app modernization to data, and off late, uh, taking advantage of the fantastic uh, in, uh, innovation that is coming out with Azure OpenAI and OpenAI. So maybe we'll get to that later. But uh, most recently, the thing that I've been working on is I, I just uh, worked on an Azure Arc uh, related uh, a LinkedIn learning course uh, because you know I ended up using Azure Arc uh, for for some of my needs last year and earlier this year and I felt that that story about Azure Arc uh, since it was first announced in 2019 has evolved so much 
that I thought it was good to sort of take a take a stock of all of the fantastic enhancements that have happened, and that culminated into this uh, two-hour course that that I just uh, released. So, so that's top of mind. But uh, Azure is so vast. I listen to the show. I always listen to the, all the improvements and news updates because that's a full-time job just to keep up with all the things that are going on. So. So thank you for for that uh, that service to the community, uh, Sujith and Kendall. Yeah, no, that's uh, thank you so much for uh, for those kind words. Uh, the uh, you know you talk about Azure Arc, and uh, yeah, and you're quite right. That's uh, you know it's when it first came out, it was this mysterious thing. I remember, and it took me a whole lot of time to just get my wrap my head around what exactly. <laughs> You know, yes. uh, you know, it's an Azure, but it's not really an Azure. It's like yeah. really, uh, you know. So maybe, uh, you know, at a if you were to start your LinkedIn course, like how would you describe would Azure yeah. Arc? What's the what's the elevator pitch over there? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, in fact, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just go back to the story from Ignite of 2019. Um, I'm actually excited about Ignite this year because it's going to be the in-person first conference after a long time. But uh, going back to 2019 Ignite when Azure Arc was announced, and uh, like you, uh, sat in one of the sessions in the keynote, and you know, as as most developers do, you find something interesting in keynote or one of the sessions, and you have to go back to your hotel room and try it out. So I remember going to the Google Cloud, setting up a virtual machine, installing an Azure Arc agent in the Google virtual machine, and then making that Google virtual machine essentially appear in Azure portal as another virtual machine, right? And that was amazing. And, you know, I, 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 I tweeted or I wrote a blog post about that, right? So, so the whole, whole idea is that you know, we have come to love ARM, Azure Resource Manager, as the fundamental technology that spans across everything that is in Azure. And wouldn't it be nice if we were to take resources outside of Azure, be it in on-prem, be it on any other cloud, and, uh, and sort of uh, make that resource available inside Azure. And as you can imagine, if you follow Azure, if you follow ARM closely, uh, once you do that, now that resource, wherever it may be, is now part of your resource graph. You can do anything you want to do related to, you want to do tagging, you want to do inventory management. So that's how it started and then we'll get into Microsoft really took that idea and moved it further into Kubernetes. And in fact, uh, there's a dapper extension for Azure Arc enabled Kubernetes, which is quite, quite amazing. So they've, they've taken that idea of providing you a central control plane. And you, and I may be using this analogy incorrectly, Sujit. Uh, we, we've heard of digital twin as a pattern, and it comes often in the IoT world, right? I almost think of digital twin uh, as I may have a machine, on-prem machine. Now I want to manage it as a resource. So just the projection of that image of that machine. So just enough metadata about that machine is stored in a resource group. And now I can apply any RBAC policies, tagging, Azure policy, what have you. So th that's that's really the idea. To, to summarize, it's an Azure service. And by the way, it's a free service. You know, uh, So if you want to bring a machine into Azure, it's not costing you much. Of course, you know, if you bring the data into Sentinel and if you use, start using Defender, of course you have to pay for those services. But just the mere act of enabling an outside resource to appear inside the Azure portal, uh, that's, a, that's a free capability. And 
What is interesting is there is no equivalent to that in other clouds. If you look at what Google is doing with Google Anthos, right? That's that's really a Kubernetes orchestration or Kubernetes control point. Uh, even other clouds, if you look at it, it's more sort of a hardware play. This is, in my mind, uh, one service that gives you a multi-cloud management story without assuming that it is Kubernetes or virtual machine. That's hopefully that paints a picture of what Azure Arc does. I think yeah, that that was well said. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, and, and you mentioned one of the one of the needs for that is to have an inventory, right? Uh, like a your global inventory of, of all your assets, your digital assets, uh, but. I'm guessing that's not the, and you said it started that way, but yes. eventually it kind of blew up into other things. I'm just other curious, things. you know, uh, where you saw, see that going. And I know, uh, Kendall, I, I believe you may also have some questions, so please uh, go when you when you want to. Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. Like, I would be curious, you, you, like, I agree with Sajid's kind of train of thought there, where it's like, okay, it started as kind of, you know, creating this unified control plane, but now, you know, what are some of the maybe recent expansions that we can kind of click in on to say, hey, like I can obviously manage a virtual machine, I can manage a Kubernetes cluster, but if I understand, I think in the past couple of years, there's a lot that you can do and push down both, both you can onboard things to Azure Arc, but also basically push things down from Azure Arc. So kind of curious to hear about that kind of bi-directional like evolution that's happened uh, in in the product. I frankly feel like I don't even know some of the most recent innovations because it's been so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Kendall, but yeah, absolutely. In my mind, there are three levels of evolution, and 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 this is not a product team's view. This is just my view. So even when we talk about, uh, Sujit, just making a virtual machine from outside available in Azure, there's a lot of sophistication that has gone in uh, beyond what was there initially in 2019. So before I move into move into innovation of second level or a third level innovation, it might be helpful to just stay with the virtual machine innovation. So first of all, it covers Windows machines, it covers Linux machines, right? It also covers, so let's say you are a customer of Azure VMware solution, right? And that's a very popular service growing quite rapidly. You might have, as most customers do, a big footprint of VMware machines. And if they want to, uh, in a full fidelity manner, move those machines into Azure. Azure VMware is a great solution because they can continue to use the native VMware tooling to do that. And what is really interesting about Azure VMware solution is once you provision it, they, they provision all of the clusters and they also provision an express route for you. So now you're connected to your resource groups and now you can take advantage of past services and things like that, right? But uh, so imagine you've done that, right? You want to take those virtual machines that you're creating on a VMware server, make them appear as Azure virtual machines. So, so you know, you, you, don't, you want to treat virtual machines wherever they may be, including on the Azure VMware solution in one unified lens. So that's one. Let's, let's just talk about uh, from that point on, uh, uh, there, there has been a lot of innovation in terms of uh, how do you deploy this using group policy? I may have an organization which has thousands of machines. What if I want to do this through Ansible? Uh, and every cloud has, there is some variation about the cloud. So uh, if you want to bring the Google machines, what are the environments supported? And in terms of services, think think about this. So once you have your machine up in Azure, 
you can take advantage of an inventory we talked about. We talked about uh, trying to take advantage of uh, Azure Monitor for virtual machines. You want to keep track of the performance of these machines. Uh, so there are a number of capabilities there that you can take advantage. You want to manage the performance of these machines. So I think of that as innovation number one, where you really enable and unlock scenarios for managing machines. And of course, I didn't even talk about compliance, right? I, I want to get a compliance report across my all of the data centers, across all the clouds in Azure. I want to get a compliance report because that is needed for my SOC compliance that is coming up. And I can go and generate a report. So that's one level of innovation. Let's just step up and talk about the second level of innovation, which is uh, now that I can manage uh, virtual machines, and by the way, the, the whole technology works on the basis of you go into the virtual machine and you install an agent. And that agent has things like the metadata service. Uh, it has some inventory control components to it. And, and that is sending the data back to, to Azure. And that's how you're seeing all of that information, right? So now let's prog uh, progress to innovation number two, which is now, hey, can we now manage uh, a Kubernetes cluster? And, and what is the equivalent of uh, an executable uh, in, in case of a Kubernetes cluster? Well, uh, they give you, once again, the concept is they give you a Helm chart, which is again consists of a number of things, an identity operator and a few other things, which will then connect your Kubernetes cluster. So you'd be able to go to Azure Arc and see all the clusters, and this is can be any CNCF compliant cluster, right? Could be K3S even, uh, not just limited to K8S, and all of those Kubernetes clusters are now uh, going to be managed through a central control plane. But that's just the start. Let's just talk about there are some other interesting innovations that are happening there, which is, uh, let's say you wanted to, and this is a common problem, Sujit, we have talked about this, right? I, I have a multi-cluster environment, and uh, you know, it starts out with developers managing that cluster, but you know that does not last too long. You suddenly now run into a situation where multiple teams are deploying. You have a dev cluster, you have a test cluster, you have a production cluster, right? Uh, how do you manage? How do you first of all decouple what the platform team is doing is from the application team? How do you promote these applications? So obviously, a lot of people are using GitOps and the Flux operator for doing that. And you can certainly deploy those things yourself, but uh, Azure Arc enabled Kubernetes gives you this notion of an extension which wraps these things, whether it is the Dapper extension, whether it is the, the, the GitOps operator, it wraps them into extensions and sort of manages these extensions for you. So imagine, and this is one scenario that I was just talking to a customer about. Oil, uh, this is an uh, oil and gas customer. They run a lot of AI ML type of inferencing right in the refinery for, for some lower level AI ML tasks. So they're running K3S, they've deployed some AI models, but they stream all of that data back to their, their Azure Enclave for doing sort of deeper machine learning and analysis, right? Now imagine you have a K3S clusters deployed in the refinery, you have uh, all of the data flowing back into the Azure Enclave, and now you're running some AI ML experiments. Maybe you're running them on Kubernetes, and how do you manage that control plane? Uh, if you Azure Arc enable these servers, now you have one central control plane to manage it. Uh, so that's the innovation number two. 
And before I go to innovation number three, I thought I should pause here. Um, uh, is there any comment or a question? Uh, otherwise, I can keep moving on to number three. <laughs> I do have one question. It's not necessarily like specific to one of these updates, but more just like me ruminating on these concepts. So there, there's, I guess there's actually two. One of them's more practical. And I, I, I somewhat remember a conversation about this in the past. If I'm an Azure user today and I have 50 AKS clusters, what is the relationship of Azure Arc to already deployed managed Kubernetes clusters in Azure, right? It's like I might still want that control plane that you've mentioned, that wrapper around some of these capabilities, but ultimately they're all running in Azure. So I don't really have the hybrid need or the external need. Like wh where does Azure Arc fit into that story? Um, so I'll, I'll ask that one and then I'll, I'll let you respond and then I'll ask the second one. Does sure. that make so, sense? So uh, yeah, no, no, that that absolutely makes sense. And and you can certainly manage the managed Kubernetes instances along, along with your other clusters in Azure okay. Arc. Right. In fact, if you look at it, you'll you'll find that if you're if you are not using Arc, you're just using AKS. You're very used to a certain control plane uh, going into the various services. Here are the workloads. Here are uh, all of the endpoints. So you can certainly manage uh, AKS instance through Azure Arc enabled Kubernetes. But Kendall, that's a very good question because if you extended that question and said, hey how do I manage Azure virtual machines through Azure Arc, right? Just an extension to your question. And that's a that's a tricky question because uh, why would you want to do that? Your Azure virtual machines are already uh, natively available in Azure. And in fact, there's a very interesting trick in, in my, uh, in my uh, course. Uh, it's hard for me to find an on-prem machine these days. So the easiest thing for me to do is AZ, VM, create. That's the easiest way for me to get a VM. Mm -hmm. It turns out you can provision a machine in Azure, but you can log into that machine and disconnect the Azure agents from that machine. And now you have a machine which knows nothing about the Azure control plane. And now you can go and install an agent and sort of, you know, <laughs> in a backwards manner, make it Azure Arc enabled. So that's the that's the answer for a virtual machine sitting in Azure. But as far as an AKS cluster is concerned, you can manage that as part of Azure Arc. Okay. And then I guess my second question is just based on your experience. Like I, uh, to me or to you, I'd be curious. I know what my answer is, or I know at least what my hypotheses are, but I'm curious in your experience, how often is someone saying, I need this G, you know, like I need to go over and have this GKE cluster. Or I have this, you know, I have a, like a virtual machine running in Google cloud and I want Azure to be my experience for interfacing. Like, what do you feel the motivation is typically in those scenarios? Is yeah. it an ad, primarily Azure customer that's now going multi-cloud, but hasn't doesn't necessarily want to learn a new uh, kind of like a new resource provider? You know, uh, just curious on your take there. Because yeah. I think no, even like that's... Terraforms of the world help automate the infrastructure provisioning, but maybe not the ongoing governance and, and things to that extent. So yeah, that's an excellent question, Kendall. Uh, I just feel like if you if you if you go and today take a look at the multi-cloud management market, right? You can go two directions, right? You can you can go with a cloud-native tool like an Azure Arc or Google Anthos or something like that, or 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 an AWS Outpost, or there is a whole ecosystem of third-party tools, yeah. right? And how do you choose between the two? The third-party tools give you a rich functionality and, and a lot of customers today would be using some collection of rich third-party tools. And uh, 
of course, until the time they're acquired, because you know a lot of companies are then acquiring them and putting them into a plane. Uh, to to going back to to your question, uh, are people using? Uh, if you are an Azure customer, the scenario that I have seen, and one of the motivations for my course is that I think that Azure Arc is not as well understood as it needs to be. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was that was really one of the motivation for exp- this course that this is not some Azure service that is only limited to Azure customers, right? Uh, it is very common for you to have some clusters that are running in multiple clouds or machines running in. Even if you're an on-prem customer and you don't want to ever move to the cloud, Azure Arc-based virtual machine management across your data center still makes sense because now you get a scene, you get Azure Monitor, you get the compliance, you get the all of those reporting. So part of my motivation creating this course was it's really not an Azure customer play. It's it's really this service. And for some reason, this message has not come out that well yet, at least in my ex. So to answer your question in two parts, my experience has been customers who are Azure customers, and we, we see that a lot of multi-cloud customers, Kendall, and, uh, are primary secondary. So, you know, they have a primary cloud, but then by virtue of uh, acquisition or partnership, they've acquired another cloud or a third cloud, which may be doing some secondary workloads, right? And for those customers, if Azure is your primary cloud, then, hey, uh, if you are truly maintaining these multiple clusters and you're thinking deeply about uh, uh, mature management of these Kubernetes clusters and then going from one environment to another, you should be thinking of a central control plane. Yeah. And uh, so uh, so I think from that perspective, my experience has been with Azure customers extending their footprint to other clouds. But I think that this part of the story is not well understood because people see this as just another Azure service. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're so, no, I think it's a good point. I, I, I think that's a really good point. I think the challenge with having this overarching brand of Azure is that everything kind of feels like it has to be collectively used. And like, if you're bought in on Azure, okay, then maybe it makes sense to make Azure, maybe it makes sense to explore Azure Arc. But ultimately it sounds like this is just happens to be a multi-cloud kind of consistent control plane that falls under the Azure umbrella, but doesn't necessarily mean that, hey, this is really an add-on to other Azure services necessarily. So yeah, I think that's a good delineation to draw because I would make that assumption that it's like, this is 100% for people who like Azure and it's their primary cloud provider. So yeah, that's a good point. But I, I, I talked to a Gartner analyst who shall remain un, unnamed uh, about the same thing that they, they did not, if almost like if Azure Arc was an independent service by itself, people would look at it differently. Yeah, right? Versus, hey, this is just another service like Azure SQL database or something like that. So yeah. I hope uh, that that was, I can say 50% of my motivation creating this course was just explaining to people that multi-cloud management is real, no question about that. And uh, and even the, uh, let's, I mean, there are, there are excellent third-party tools that do that, but are they keeping up with the latest innovations, right? Are they, uh, you mentioned Dapper going to the next level of maturity in CNCF. Are they taking the time to wrap that Dapper extension as a first-class Azure our construct where you can go and come in and say, hey, deploy to all my clusters, and this is the RBAC control I want, right? These are the people who should be able to control that. Who's who's going to, which third party is going to do that to keep up with this kind of uh, yeah. innovation that is on Azure? So that's, that's sort of the second level of innovation. 
and we we didn't get to talk about some other some other things here that when we talk about azure monitor so there is uh, just like there is vm insights for for vm machines there is container insights that you can take advantage of mature service you want to take advantage of uh, azure policy which applies to kubernetes now so so you have the opa the open policy access that being applied so you can take a policy and apply it to across the clusters so there are a lot of other things that i encourage your listeners to go take a look at when we talk about azure arc enabled kubernetes mm-hmm. and then the third and the the most Sorry, recent Elizabeth, i just wanted to ask you one thing here <clears throat> you just yeah. uh, piqued my interest when you said container insights uh, which i know is that really nice view inside of the portal which tells you all the workloads and the nodes and the containers and everything running in your cluster are you telling me that you can also see the arc enabled clusters in the same way now yes Yes. Oh wow, that's so, a game changer so because that the, the, that that view is just fabulous. You know, yeah, the way yeah. it gives you all of the uh, you can, because I use that all the time to figure out, yeah. you know, which containers are hogging memory or CPU and uh, you know what's going on in the cluster. So that that's just amazing that it can give you that view. Yeah. So you you have all of the every control plane, every innovation that you can think of. In fact, uh, I forgot to man- mention something called auto manage, which was which is a really good extension uh, because. Previously, you had to sort of individually say which service do you want. Do you want inventory management? Do you want batch management? Uh, do you want container insights or VM insights? And what you can do with auto manage is you at the time of connecting your virtual machine to Arc, you can say these are the policies that I want to apply, and it will do that for you. So, so some other features uh, to keep in mind, and and the the final uh, innovation. Uh, or the third, uh, I shouldn't say final. I'm sure they're innovating rapidly beyond what what I'm going to mention. But the third wave of innovation is really interesting, and this surprises everybody. And Kendall, you sort of pointed to that. Up until now, we are talking about taking an outside resource, whether it is a virtual machine or a Kubernetes cluster, and projecting it in Azure. Uh, the third wave of innovation is interesting because now we are projecting out from Azure into your environments. So let's take an example. Uh, you want to run a managed SQL instance in your on-prem environment, uh, which is in which is GA. Also in preview is Postgres. So imagine that for some reason you are running this workload in on-prem environment for, for uh, some security or compliance reasons, you need to run that workload in a non-prem setup because that's more cost effective, what have you but you really don't want to be in the business of managing that database and you want an evergreen service which is constantly being updated for you where somebody is providing you point in time restore all of those things so you want the past benefits except in your on prem environment and now that you have kubernetes everywhere enabled by azure arc they can now deploy an instance of uh, the service onto your on-prem environment, or and by just on-prem environment, if you want to run that in Google Cloud or AWS, you can run an Azure Pass service in Google Cloud or AWS Cloud. Think about it <laughs> for a second. So that's that's the third level of innovation, and and there is a talk um, about taking any service, right? Uh, API management, as we know, uh, it's it's now available where you can run that control plane of API. Uh, management in your on-prem environment, and that's through a container as well. 
So why not just deploy your API management gateway in your on-premises environment and apply your same policies in an on-prem setting? So that's another uh, innovation. So I'll pause here. That's sort of the, those are the three stages in my mind of what Azure Arc has done for you. So it looks like like you know we've uh, our whole uh, system of running containers remotely and managing them is so sophisticated now. Anything that can be containerized in Azure, we can put it at the customer side, right? So you mentioned SQL. Yes. Uh, I thought I heard about uh, App Service as well being available. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, so so anything I guess any anything that any Azure service that could be containerized, we could drop it uh, in your environment. That's right. Logic apps, uh, certainly. Logic apps. logic apps is, you know, that's a very important scenario for customers. They want to do that kind of transformation, but this, the input data source is only available as a private endpoint in my data center. Can I get logic apps to run in that? So a, a lot of, lot of flexibility in terms of what you can do today. One kind of thing, uh, I, I, like I was playing around with Azure Arc at one point, and you know, one of the questions is, you know, how how, how can you get started, right? How do you like if I want to understand this more? It used to be like, like as you said, right? Like, who do they all things about, you know, way, uh, launching your own VM somewhere and playing around with it? It's just such a hassle. I mean, I guess you could do it uh, inside of uh, if you have like a uh, what is the what is that uh, system called where you could uh, run uh, VMs on your on your on your desktop? Uh, yes. So you know you could you could do something like that. Yes. Uh, yes. And and then connect it. But again, that's kind of a bit of a hassle. Uh, I I saw this thing called AKS Edge Essentials, right? Which uh, which was really cool. Like and you mentioned it earlier, where yep. it, it kind of uh, it's a nice easy way to deploy your own K3 K3s. Is that how you say it? Uh, cluster yeah. on your uh, on your Windows or Mac machine. Locally, right. and then connect that back into Azure Arc, right? That's and so right. now you can That's kind right. of play around with this on your laptop uh, without uh, too much of a fuss. Yeah, I would just say, you know, I'm really a you know, big shout out to the Azure Arc team. They, they've been working on a project called Azure Arc Jumpstart. I think the website is azurearcjumpstart.io, and I'll make sure I give you the right link. But uh, I found that uh, so they have created this open source project called Azure Arc Jumpstart. And what they've done is for every scenario that I talked about, you want to put a you want to put a virtual machine in Google Cloud and enable through Arc. There are a few things that you have to think about, right? Uh, you know, what, what OS versions can you select? Uh, which version of agent do you want to deploy? Uh, there are some details that you need to get right. Otherwise, you end up spending easily a day or two to just connect that machine. What they have done is they have thought through 30 or 40 scenarios and counting and provided detailed automated steps, scripts and instructions for all of those scenarios. So uh, that's a great service. And I, I wish more teams did that because, you know, that's really uh, an on-ramp to a service like this, right? And and they didn't do this just for VMs. They also did it for Kubernetes, right? So they have a recipe for all the public cloud providers. How do you go about connecting that to Azure Arc? And I literally, for my some of my demos in my course, I did not have certain scenario like, uh, you know, I, I wanted to install uh, Azure SQL database instance to the Google Cloud, for example, there were some things that I needed to know about the Google Kubernetes cluster in terms of what settings do I need to choose. And I literally used, just, uh, you know, got a copy of the repo 
and use those scripts. So I can't thank them enough. And I think anybody who's starting with that would find that project helpful as well. I was also just going to add one thing because it seems timely when I was doing like a little bit of like the pre-research, I had pulled this up. But ultimately, it sounds like, too, one of the things that uh, like Azure Arc's being used for now is essentially like end of life, being able to get like extended uh, security updates enabled on VMs that are reaching end of life on premises. So I think that's interesting. And it sounds like, you know, a lot of the end of life were like Windows Server, I think 2012. Um, SQL Server 2012, things like this are coming in October. And it sounds like, I mean, it's an aptly timed podcast because it sounds like you're, you could still potentially onboard those to Azure Arc in order to be able to apply the ESUs whenever the end of life comes. And it gives you more time for that migration process if you're in that. So anyway, I just thought was, that was interesting because once again, we've talked about kind of bringing those VMs into Azure. We've talked about pushing things down, but there's also obviously some additional benefits to Arc as that control plane, which would allow you to push things like security updates and, and other potential benefits. So I just think I, I didn't realize that was something you could do um, via Azure Arc. But yeah, I just thought maybe I would call that out since that's something that I think was announced this summer and is becoming becoming timely. So if anyone's listening to this and needs that that quick bit, hopefully that's yeah. helpful. That, that, that's, a, that's a great tip. And, and Kendall, I was not aware of that. Uh, I was aware that you, know, you could get extend the end of life by moving your virtual machine to Azure. But what you just talked about is a very important development that I was not aware of. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and and then one of you, I think, which first you may have, but uh, mentioned it earlier, and Kendall, you may have some insights on this about. I heard Dapper being mentioned in relation to Azure Arc. Uh, can somebody explain to me how what the relationship is over there? So you know, I, I don't want to say much in front of Kendall because she's the Dapper expert. <laughs> so uh, I will just say a few things and then let Kendall uh, sort of expand on that. Right. So. Uh, you know, so let's say you have a cluster of, uh, you know, several Kubernetes clusters and, and Dapper is really a great extension and something, as Kendall said, came out and gives you a lot of capabilities that are not built into Kubernetes. And now you wanted to Dapper enable your clusters across your entire footprint. Uh, you can, of course, go a walk up to each cluster and manage your Dapper installation in that manner. Or you could come to the Azure Arc control plane Look at the list of extensions, and extensions are nothing but Helm chart wrapped as ARM resources, right? So you can apply RBAC. So you can come in and say, take this extension and deploy it to make sure the right version of this is deployed to these clusters, and it will go ahead and manage all of that for you. So from that point on, somebody writes an application that is taking advantage of the Dapper capabilities will seamlessly get that. So Kendall, please uh, expand yeah. on no, I mean, no, I think you nailed it. To me, the way I look at it, Sajid, is essentially all the AKS extensions, a lot of them have now moved up a level where you can manage the deployment of those across both AKS clusters and non-Azure clusters, uh, you know, on-premises, things like that. So you're getting kind of an extension model for non-AKS clusters. Um, and like, I know when I was still on the Container Apps team, we they were working on the Container Apps extension for Azure Arc. So you could even take this whole managed kind of container-based experience which is it's it's very uh it's very what's the word um what's the the movie about the the person who goes deeper into dreams inception it's a little bit inception because you're running like container apps as a container on top of kubernetes but container apps is abstracting kubernetes so there, there definitely is like a little bit of like a mine hurdle you have to go through but ultimately if you're looking to 
you know, use and deploy applications with a more managed experience, like, yes, you'll be doing on top of Kubernetes, but you're getting that kind of PASD based container apps experience with the control and flexibility of being able to run that on your own Kubernetes cluster. So it's really more to me in that case, like a user interaction model that's being improved over like the elimination of the infrastructure management. Uh, So yeah, but even for me, I was like, whoa, this is like a lot of inception running these things on top of Kubernetes. But I think the unification and unlocking of a lot of our that the Microsoft managed services and even like I think Azure Arc is such a good depiction of what's happening in the broader like a tech community, which is things like Terraform, like creating unific- unifying experience across things that otherwise would not have parity. And I think that's what we're trying to do with Azure as well is, you know, try to create a unification story for our, our managed services that's unlocked from some of the traditional infrastructure or plan based uh, things we'd be locked into. So it's like, I think this is very telling of Microsoft being proactive in terms of how the tech space in general is dynamically evolving. Um, so yeah, I think that it's great to hear, to hear all of these innovations that have happened with Azure Arc. Um, it's really exciting stuff, and I'm interested to see how that continues to grow. Uh, I definitely learned a lot from around positioning from you as well, because I think you're right. If it didn't have the name Azure Arc, I think this product could be viewed very differently. Uh, but I think it's it's typically lumped in, so that's I think that's a really good call out. That's that's great, Vishwas. Thank you so much for sharing all that. So, uh, what else uh, have you been working on besides Azure? I know from your reading your blog, you're uh, you're, you're always kind of uh, noodling in in different areas and, and working on different kind of projects. Anything else that comes to mind? Uh, yes, uh, th- uh, thank you. Uh, like everybody else, uh, I'm just just amazed by the disruption that OpenAI and then Azure OpenAI is causing. So, we 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 were fortunate enough to get into the private preview very early. Um, and then we started playing with it, uh, Sujit and Kendall, and we realized that there was one use case that we wanted to put more energy in. So we started building, and this is like running a startup within a company, but you know, small team of 10 or 12 people. We started back in March or April. We started building a co-pilot uh, for proposal developers. So uh, as you know, uh, there's something called FAR, which is uh, for the US audience will understand federal acquisition regulation, which is a big body of work. So if you want to do any work for the US federal government, you have to sort of comply to that. And you have to respond to these large documents, which are 20, 30, 40 pages, or even 100 pages long. And the idea is that uh, this is not a cheating as a service where you're using some chat GPT generated uh, eloquent text that has nothing to do with your company, right? So what, what we've tried to build is, if you tell us the, if you give us your past responses that you have done, uh, what we can do is we can try to extract some meaningful information from that, limit our response to based on based on what you have done, and can we generate an early draft? And that's why it's a co-pilot, not a pilot or an autopilot. Can we just give you a 20, 30 page response quickly so that you spend more time polishing and innovating rather than sort of knowing where did we work again, where where did we do this work, and what did we write about this? All of that is done through this co-pilot for proposal writers, essentially. And um, that's that's been a very interesting journey in itself. So it's been maybe four or five months in the making. And uh, what we decided to do was build the MVP first. And before we uh, move forward with it, said, okay, let's just take it to 10 or 12 customers and sort of pilot it and sort of get some feedback from them. 
And, and we've maybe completed about six external customers where we generate a response from them, let them review it, provide feedback. And it's all done in Azure OpenAI because that's the, the, the privacy is key, right? Uh, this is the most important data a company can have. You're writing all your, your secrets about how you want to win your work and you don't ever want that data to leave mm-hmm. your enclave or, or worse, be used in training some other model. So Azure Arc, by virtue of, hey, I'm locking down an instance of GPT-4 within this virtual network. And uh, Sujit, what I found interesting was as I started playing with this, all of the things that we have spent last decade, sort of all of the constructs of Azure, whether it is blob storage, VNet, and making sure the data is not leaving, uh, ARM templates, Terraform templates, just to create a landing zone, all of those things are easy. So I think this is such a short in arm for for Azure developers to now take advantage of um, disruptive capabilities like GPT-4 and beyond. So that's what I've been working on and a lot of learning in terms of as good as these models are, uh, there's still some things lacking, hallucination and whatnot. And how do you deal with that? Maybe, maybe that will be uh, a topic for another discussion at some other mm-hmm. point. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back to dive on uh, into that work because uh, at the end of the day, uh, this is the topic that our listeners, I'm, I know, are very interested in. We've had a couple of discussions on uh, OpenAI already and they, they were very popular. So uh, yeah, we'd love to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks again for everything. Yeah. Thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.